Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 280, covering The Omega Directive and Unforgettable with Amanda Smith. Hi, friends. We got people in our house. Well, I'm, Matt, Matt's in my house. I'm in your basement touching all your stuff. Okay. Is Matt people? I, well, I'm a type of people. He thinks he's people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I got uh, your parrot. What? Your parrot. Oh. I thought you were going to say my parents. Oh, no, I'm definitely not your parents. I'm glad. I hope you're not our parrot, because I hate parrots. Do you? Don't get a parrot. I legit hate them. And they'll live forever. Forever. (laughs) They will outlive you. Parrots will live 300 (laughs) years. This is parrot talk. (laughs) And just when you die, they'll just eat you. And then they become a burden that you pass down to your family. Is that that upon a burden? Yes. And then for my least, my most hated (laughs) child, you get Barnaby the parrot. (laughs) He's bitey and he smells. And he'll talk, but he refuses. You know, we we I I could just watch these two talk about birds for an hour, but I feel like you guys probably didn't tune in. For oh, me. and you will. Uh-huh. No, no. This is your weekend. You forget I edit this show. Their hideous plumage gets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about the listeners. I love the listeners. You it it's you who will suffer, Al. This oh, whole weekend. I I how is that different from my entire life? Now there's two in the same place. Yeah, also we're talking about Voyager. So oh. we all suffer. Oh. Voyager, the parrot of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week uh, is one of those weeks people seem to like the most, where we got one we liked and one we maybe did. not so much. We disliked. And we're all more or less on the same page, I think. First one pretty good, yeah. second one not so much. <clears throat> really, Matt, Alan, Amanda all agree on which is good and which is bad. We sometimes don't. <laughs> we, we sometimes don't. Do we, though? <laughs> yeah, you and I, especially, like, in the last year or so, two years, something like that, you've gotten a lot better. Like, I feel like you've always occasionally disagreed with me, but you're more willing to do it now. No, shut up, Al. <laughs> we were so worried about being that argue insulty show that we would not, and I, I'm guilty of it as well. Like, no, I don't want to fight about it. Yeah, but we're discussing. What's the point of discussing if we all think the same thing? I agree. <laughs> Well done. <laughs> Can we all agree that the Omega Directive is maybe the best title Voyager ever came up with? So good. It's yeah. such a like 60s title. The thing is that the plot is a bit 60s as well, I would yeah. say. I could see this happening with Kirk. Like, because, well, let me let me tell you what happened. Yeah, and then we can talk about parrots some more. Okay, that's fine. The, this, this really is turning into the parrot trap, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> see how I just worked that right in there? Professional. All right, so here's what happened in the Omega Directive. Voyager runs into an anomaly or something, and oh, God, here we fucking go, except nobody gets possessed or starts turning into stuff or anything like that. Admittedly, Kate is acting a little peculiar, but there are legitimate in-character reasons for this. See, they've detected something called Omega, an immensely powerful molecule that Federation scientists tried to harness about a century ago before rendering the entire region of space that they were working in untraversable by warp drive. And that was literally one molecule of the stuff. So since then, Starfleet captains and other senior officials have been under top-secret orders to watch out for more of these molecules and dispose of them as carefully as possible if found. What exactly is Omega? Well, Brandon Braga didn't write this episode, so we don't spend four acts explaining it with a bunch of pointless technobabble and terrible metaphors. It's just a MacGuffin, after all, so we get the broad strokes. Powerful molecule, fucks up warp travel, must be stopped. Done! Unfortunately, standard procedure involves the captain contacting Starfleet for backup, and Kate can't really do that in this case, so she decides to break protocol and let her staff in on what's going on. For some inexplicable reason, Harold is in this meeting and Bellana is not. Yeah, I don't know either. So they end up on an alien moon, where a pre-warp civilization is working on synthesizing Omega molecules by the thousands, thinking that they're going to solve their energy crisis with them and not explode in the process. Except they exploded in the process. (laughs) Voyager steals their remaining Omega molecules and hightails it to the nearest dumpster. But the aliens are all, well, that's ours. You can't take that. And what are we going to do for energy if you destroy that? But Kate isn't hearing any of it because she needs warp to get their asses home. And also presumably other cultures need it as well or whatever. Meanwhile, Seven becomes weirdly obsessed with Omega because it represents harmonious perfection in nature, which is as close to a religion as the Borg get. 
She's reluctant to destroy the molecules, but Kate has finally adjusted her mom frequencies to penetrate Seven's guilt shields, and she concedes. Voyager has literally saved the warp-capable cultures of the Delta Quadrant, and quite possibly the entire galaxy. And that's how you do a high-stakes fucking episode. No one turned into anything. No, and, like, they saved the galaxy. Yeah. Like... Oh man, and when pretty great when Kate started acting like not telling anyone what was going on, I was like, "Oh boy, here uh, we go. She's been replaced, or something's wrong with her mind, or, or uh, there's a, uh, a spirit from there's some." Or I I thought she was like a, a sleeper agent, and some code word made yeah. her because mm-hmm. all the monitors just light up with this omega, like the the Greek letter omega, yep. and that's it, no explanation. And she's the only one who knows what it means, and she almost turns into a robot, like oh, master omega, master omega, I'm like oh uh, boy. It looks like they're playing the hit '90s board game, the Omega Virus. Was it a hit? It was an existing game. <laughs> That I wanted because it looked cool. How much beach did you uh, experience? Uh, some. Okay. Not as much beach as I might, but more beach than I should. Okay. More beach than I are, should. Are you old enough to beige better? I can beige better, but not best. Can you beige a parrot, though? That's the real question. I've been known to. Very I well. could, but I won't because I, I hate them. I wish parrots would only experience beige. <laughs> Oh, so it's a bad thing. Yes. Oh, I was not aware of that. No, it is. Okay. I, you'll, I also... be, you'll be happily traveling through the Enterprise trying to save it from this Klingon, and then he'll show up and go experience beige, and you get put in a stasis cube for a while. Oh, well, that's not good. It's like a timeout. Yeah. Oh, all right. You have to sit and think about what you did. <laughs> Anyway, this Klingon, the Omega Directive, non uh, corporal punishment for a Klingon. It's really weird. Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to hurt someone from a VCR tape. You, the one who is moving now, I will call you Jimmy because you remind me of Jimmy. <laughs> You're human. You're all Jimmy. Uh, but yeah, I, Kate. Actually, it, what it is, it ends up being this like top secrety Starfleet thing mm-hmm. that only she knows about, and it's like it, that. In that way, it felt very original series to me. It felt like like when uh, Spock took over the Enterprise and was trying to get Pike to the um, to the, the the planet from the cage. Mm-hmm. Yep. There were a few episodes like that where some top secret thing was happening and everyone was suspicious, but there was a reason for it. Yep, like, it was good stuff. No, I love that, and this sort of ties into my good thing. I just I like. I like when we see that the Federation isn't that perfect utopia mm-hmm. that Gene demanded it be. Like, is this the Omega Directive and Starfleet's insistence that, like, it be destroyed at all costs is, like, super interesting to me. Yeah. It's like, we're super interested in space and the universe and everything, up until the point where it might mean we don't get to have our great galactic empire anymore, and then we're gonna destroy it at all costs. Well, I mean, Kate was a good example of that, because she is a science guy, and she is interested in exploration, and she is all about finding the new thing, Um, but when it came to this, absolutely not. Shut it down. Shut it all down. But but they they also, it wasn't out of character for her. Like they, They paid some good lip service to her saying, this is really interesting, and I wish we could study it, but no. And I actually like her taking that and then we got seven taking the i wanted th- this thing is cool i want to look at it it's it's a good story that came along right at the right time in seven's arc because mm-hmm. seven's trying to learn what it is to be more human and all that crap and now suddenly here's a thing that sort of like turns on a light bulb for the concept of of religion yeah. and, and spirituality it's something that she never thought she had yeah. and suddenly it's like here's a human thing i didn't think i'd ever have any use for but uh, I'm feeling it. What the hell? This is complicated to me. And I wouldn't have thought that I'd like the concept of the Borg having like a th- like a religion thing, but it's really interesting. Well, the the difference I think is it's not a religion in the sense of having a church with rules no. and all that. It's just we respect this thing like, and this think is, it's a fundamental force of the universe. This and... is perfection in nature, which is what we strive for. Yeah, I like that. Nat- without without the nature part. This well, is yeah. this is the goal. Yeah. Right. The Omega Particle is the goal. That's what the Borg want to become. It's yeah. more of a role model right. than a religion. No, I, I think they use religion as a symbol to make it interesting to yeah. us as the viewers, but it's not actually like a religious thing. Oh, Omega Module, you're so cool. Can we hang out yep. sometime? <laughs> Omega Module, or Omega Molecule is just like, nah. I got shit to do. Sorry, the Borg. Oh, that's cool. We're That's fine. Bye. I'm, I'm picturing this molecule just putting on sunglasses yep. now. <laughs> and a leather jacket just like, I gotta go. <laughs> and it rides away on its molecule motorcycle. 
One thing I really liked, and I said this in my summary, is they don't spend a lot of time like over explaining techno babble, like how it works or what it does. Like yep. it's just no, it, this this could be a cool thing, but it is also super dangerous. That's yep. all you need. You don't need to spend forever explaining how it works. That's, and it fucks up warp drive, and we need that. It did. It did a infinitely better job of giving us those stakes than uh, Force of Nature did back in Next Gen. Uh-huh. Remember when yeah, we bad lost... bad for the environment. What? But My was... sister's gonna kill herself because it's bad for the environment. But it was exactly the same stakes, only yep. now it was, like, super, like, like they made us care about it. These are good stakes, and I mean, yeah, it's good because we don't want uh, the Voyager guys to be trapped here forever, but this is good stakes for all of Starfleet yeah. because the one thing, if you take away warp mm -hmm. you have ruined starfleet like, not just starfleet but, but the but, romulan empire yeah. the klingon empire the everybody the yeah. whole reason that these giant galactic empires can exist is because of the travel right if they can't travel to each other you've basically thrown them back to space stone age yeah 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 you have to ex and i've read sci-fi stories that explore mm -hmm. this concept well mm -hmm. like you're stuck in your own system at best yeah like what do, you, what do we got like generation ships now like that's yeah. it like yeah. we have to travel through space at space travel speed and and the, and the thing is like under normal circumstances you could get by but at this point they've got at least a hundred years of infrastructure that's ruined yeah. and people all over the universe just stranded yeah. and, and yeah. people might die like it would be dangerous because they yeah. are they built this society assuming that warp was going to continue to exist so what they there might be places that need because we know that there's freighters yeah. that go between different yep. things uh delivering supplies and stuff so there are places that do not have basic things they need oh the enterprise does nothing but deliver things to people yeah, who that's need what things. cassidy did yeah oh yeah yeah but i was thinking in starfleet terms like that's a big yeah. thing too think about yeah, when it was in fire truck mode right exactly <laughs> Think about Deep Space Nine, though. Think about they're close enough to the Cardassians that those guys could probably still come fuck them up, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. nobody could come to their rescue because yep. you need warp drive to get there. And when you talk about other sci-fi properties uh, exploring this, this is going to bore the piss out of you, Al, but um, that was a big deal in Mass Effect. Yes. Was, was the technology that allowed you to go from place to place and what would happen when you took it away. Yeah. Like, that was a major issue in the game. But see, to me, those are some of the best, like if you want to do a big Star Trek story. Mm -hmm. And I'm amazed the movies haven't figured this out. Like, I said the same thing back in Next Gen. Uh, don't remember the name of the episode, but where they figured out the the one common ancestor to everyone in the galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, was that the chase? I, I don't remember. It might have been the chase. I feel like it might have. It was the something. The thing is, oh, yeah, because they the all episode. had those Seinfeld titles. Yeah. Now, there was one with... Dr. Richard Galen, who was the archaeologist that, that uh, taught I'm Picard. Dr. Richard Galen. <laughs> Ted Nelson. <laughs> no, it was Nelson. Um, Nelson. It, it, there was one where Picard, like, where that guy died and Picard like took over his research and they found the ancestor like sure. that seeded the galaxy. That was a huge story that I loved that I thought could have made a good movie. Mm. This same way. Like, I feel like this could have made a movie because when you have stakes big enough to affect the whole Star Trek universe, whether it means we can't travel anymore or whether it means learning your origins. Yeah. But like these are things instead of the dumb things they keep coming up with for the movies. Why not? And I'm I'm talking broadly, but like sure. the next gen movies, usually there wasn't enough at stake that I care. Gotta have that face to punch. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the? There's no face to punch in this episode. No. I guess there's that those guys who are all like, "Don't take our thing." Yeah, but they were not a viable threat. No, at they all, were pre-warp. Liked. Yeah, <laughs> they were pre-warp. So like, Kate, like, and Memory Alpha points out this is the only time a Starfleet captain in the history of all Star Trek deliberately said. Yes, I am aware of the Prime Directive. I am making a conscious effort to violate the Prime Directive in, for the greater good. In order to cancel the apocalypse, right. she had to cancel the Prime Directive. Yeah, exactly. And someone pointed out, and I don't really like this because it's a little like revisionist, like retconny, but the Omega Directive is like Directive Zero, which is supposed to supersede the Prime Directive. And I, I, come on, the Prime Directive is supposed to be number one. <laughs> This is the primer director. It's, it's issue zero. It's a secret other prime director. Yeah, this is secret president prime director. Uh, yeah. Damn it, comics issue zero is not a thing. <laughs> Numbers don't work like that. But I this, I, is, a, this is negative zero one point now <laughs> directive. Point omega, which this is also felt, a number. This all felt very section thirty one y. Oh yeah, like, it that, did. But that not we've, a... we've got this quadrant of space where the uh, particle or molecule or whatever they call it. Um, 
where it did explode, and that area you cannot go and warp. And um, the Starfleet's been lying to everyone, I saying there was yeah, something Tom going like, on. Yeah, Tom is like, well, I've I've actually piloted there, and I I I know we're supposed to steer clear of it because you can't warp there. I thought it was just a natural they, thing. No, I didn't they know. told me it was a natural yeah. thing. Yeah. But that was cool because like that played on his experience as a pilot. Like there was a lot of good using the guys in the jobs that yeah. they're mm-hmm. in. Like I, it was just a well-rounded episode. Yeah. I thought and. It is Section 31E, and I talked to you about this a bit, Amanda. Like, Section 31 is one of those things on paper, you're like, oh, shit, here it goes. Star Trek is now going to go dark, and everything's going to be, like, shadow conspiracies, Mm. and this is going to suck. DS9 walked the line really well. Section 31 was a great, like, everyone's still good, but there's a shadow part of the government that may be looking out for us, or maybe not. Mm. We don't know what they're up to, but most of us are not for that. And, like... I was worried that Voyager would get this idea and fuck it all up because, like, it's a hard line to walk to give the Federation a creepy, like... It's a hard line for Brendan Braga to walk. Yeah. And not just Braga, this whole What's writing the concept? staff. Oh, this is how I'll ruin it. Yeah, but, like, so the Federation has a secret government that does all this dark stuff. Now Star Trek is dark. Like, no, you still have to make the Star Trek guys Star Trek. Yeah. Like, you can't change that and even ds9 that did it well there were a few times where the section 31 guys showed up and was like mm, but not the best yeah but the his, thing his like eighth appearance or whatever was yeah, like, yeah I think. as as his leather got tighter and uh-huh. sharper <laughs> and as his uh designs on bashir got a little more like just yep personal and obvious hello doctor <laughs> would you like to come to my secret directive don't overlook my butt doctor <laughs> that is the same guy you know yeah i that's when Garrick stabs him, just like stay away from my man, bitch. <laughs> yep. The um but but this didn't cross that line of like Starfleet's doing some weird creepy stuff cuz the thing is to maintain a giant civilization, sometimes you got to do things that are not. Well, we talked about this like, you know, way back. It's like just cuz Starfleet wants to play by those rules doesn't mean all the guys that they have to fight do. Yeah, and like you have to deal with Romulans and Cardassians. Exactly. And but my whole thing is like you can stay true to Gene's thing. Mm-hmm. You can you can make because we've we've said a lot and we'll continue to say a lot about Gene's weird ideas or whatever. But the core idea that humans are better in the future, like not when they go on and on about it, mm-hmm. but the Smug, basic idea, idealistic orgies. I, we don't. I mean, the orgies would be all right, but you know. <laughs> I mean, as long as they're smug and idealistic. <laughs> yeah. As, as well, wait a minute. I take it back because we get Justice Planet if we get Star Trek orgies. Mm-hmm. Oh, Star Trek yeah. doesn't know what it's doing. But um, I don't want to run everywhere. <laughs> I don't want to run anywhere, honestly. <laughs> Matt, there's a guy coming at you with a knife. Well, I guess that's it for me. <laughs> now. Better just lean into it and get this over with. No, I, I, I had a reasonable run. But I like. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about. You didn't. I had a reasonable slouch. <laughs> Slouching toward knives. <laughs> but um, no, the, the, the thing is, I've and I've said this a bunch of times, if you make everything hopeless around them, but make the, the core yeah. characters mm-hmm. the still idealistic, then they embody the genes yeah. thing. And like the Star the core Star Trek fans, and I don't mean us, I mean the guys who are super, who super believe the mm-hmm. Roddenberry stuff. Are still happy, yeah, and you have virtuous heroes, but you still got crazy dark shit happening around them. Yep. I think that's a good conflict, and this was one of those kind of and things. I love any time that you take the saints out of heaven, well, like any time. Yeah, that was its best thing. Yeah. I mean, ar- arguably, its best episode was the one where the perfect captain had a super shady way to end the horrible war and had to make a choice to do a horrible thing or to stand you know like that, that was so good and the ends justifying the means that may not be like a Roddenberry idea but it's so Star Trek yeah, the ends yeah. have justified the means since day one well and really to me that's always been sloppy writing let's mm-hmm. let's make a character act out of character do a bunch of crap that would get them fired but then have a good result so everything's fine mm. that's just yeah, Spock was always doing yeah, that it's constantly but it that. comes up all the time. Yeah. Worf does it oh, like God. every week. every week yeah. on vacation. Uh, which yeah. again, and this so, is why I hate Worf. And sometimes <laughs> the ends didn't even justify the means. Nope. A lot of the time, nope. especially as we got into DS9, his stupid things didn't work out. But no. that was that was the writers becoming aware that yeah. they had made it a trope and said, you know what? Sometimes maybe this wouldn't work out for him. Yeah. Maybe he would get fired or demoted or whatever for yeah, he that. He gets to not be the captain now. Right. You're not on the best. command track yeah. anymore. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I really like in this episode that 
typically like Kate is very strict to the to the directive at first. She's like, no, I can't tell anyone. And then she's like, well, the idea is we have specialists. We have teams mm-hmm. I can call in to help. And those aren't here. So what am I going to do? And then Harry goes, you said special? Uh. Uh, and um, I like that she brings Seven on board almost immediately because Seven knows about yeah. this because of her Borg hive mind. Yeah, the Borg have uh, run into this thing in a bunch of different cultures, but specifically they know as it applies to Starfleet because they've assimilated Starfleet captains yeah. who know about this. And so, yeah, that's a cool way to like control. Like it, it didn't feel too contrived to bring her in mm-hmm. so that for a while they're the only two who knew about it. Yeah. Also, we've been talking a lot about sort of the concepts of the episode, which were really good. Yeah. But this was also a great seven episode. Uh-huh. It was. Like, it was a great Kate episode, but it was also a great uh, it seven episode. It was a great episode. Kate versus seven episode, yeah. which is a thing we keep coming back to. And honestly, this is my good thing. This whole se- like, she's only been in the show tw- like 21 episodes mm-hmm. as of now. Yep. And it's already a super cliche that the captain tells her not to do something and she does it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, here we go. Because the final act was building to mm-hmm. like... Seven wanted to keep some of these particles to study them and not destroy them all. Yep. And uh, the captain's like, no, please destroy them. That's what we got to do or things are going to get fucked up. And Seven's like, no, I have a perfect way to fix this. And like, oh, here we go. But my good thing is she did what she was told. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. she learned because she's done that 80 times in the last 21 episodes. But she's finally moved forward a little and realized, okay, this is how things have to work here. She's the mom, and I have to do what mom says. Seven's sick of getting getting sent to the cargo bay every episode. <laughs> she lives in the cargo bay. Yeah, but she can't leave. Well, and, and, and mom unplugged all her video games. <laughs> the thing is, I picture like um, her getting confined to the cargo bay, and it's like, well, good. It's like being a teenager and like sent to your room. It's yep. like... Oh, this is where I was going to be anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like, good. Oh, oh, I can't go on family vacation? Shucks. Don't throw me in the briar patch. She's going to start blasting her teenage board music. It's <laughs> not <laughs> a techno. Yeah, board. basically. <laughs> it's just like, beep, beep, <laughs> beep. And her grooving to it is just like twitching her eyebrow just ever so slightly. But yep. you can't see it because it's under her, yep. her ocular yeah. cover or whatever it is. Her ocular eyeball. Right. <laughs> Walking eye. <laughs> but no, I. this was like, it's a turning point in her arc because mm-hmm. she did what she was told and she disagreed with the captain. She made it abundantly clear she disagreed with the captain, yep. but she still said, all right, you're the boss. I got to do what you say. I, there's the part where she like, she fucking begs Chuck mm-hmm. and that was really neat just because I've never seen her do something like that. Well, that's she's like, please. It really <laughs> shown a spotlight on her, like how much this mattered to her. Like, yeah, she was willing to undignify herself and to like, yeah, you should see the faces Matt's making because that's really like selling oh. the like the distaste of having to beg someone. Especially the word Chuck. is like a turd in my mouth. Yes. Well, she says to him, listen, I've never asked for a special favor for anything mm. ever. And I am asking for it now. Also kind of not true. She has asked for, oh, yeah, she, she totally she asks has. for special favors every week because she wants to do what she wants to do. Yep. Yeah. But but That's she, how it's played. She totally says, let me keep an Omega particle. It can be my birthday present and my Christmas Yeah. <laughs> and I'll walk it every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> she, she will walk it oh, every yeah. day. Yeah, she absolutely will. <laughs> I'm sorry, just her with like a, one of those leashes that doesn't attach to anything. Yes. Just yep. walking down the corridors. <laughs> yeah, one of those invisible dog leashes yeah. like you go to Disney World. Yep. Every day she makes sure it pees on, uh, on Harry's quarters. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Uh, Amanda, your good thing also had to do with Seven, yes? Yeah, I have really enjoyed Seven's character. Like, normally when you get a character who replaces another one, like, halfway through the series, it's like, oh, boy. And she is also a pretty lady that they brought in because, mm-hmm. like, look at her, how gorgeous she is. No, and, and they, they they made no, like, yeah. they, they made it very clear, we need a sexy woman on this show. Like, that that's not something we're assuming. They said that. No. They said that. And so that type of character... Oh, she should be terrible. She should be the worst, but she's great, and I love how alien mm-hmm. she is. She like as we had Kess embody sort of this Star Trek ideal of like let's strive to be great individuals while synergizing our idealistic orgies. Um, <laughs> Seven's really the opposite of that. She thinks about efficiency 
and logic, and she hasn't stopped thinking like a Borg. She's just thinking like a singular Borg, mm-hmm. which is weird for a Borg, but she hasn't lost her alienness. They haven't really humaned her up all that much, and I love how she sees the world. I love that she's she's a genuine outsider character, and that's something Star Trek is shitty at. I disagree. I disagree. Like, we had Spock. But she's not just Spock again. No, Data no, 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 no. was just Spock That's what I'm again. saying. There yeah. were there yeah. were different... No, because the, the big difference to me between Spock and Data was Data wanted to be human, yeah. and Spock did not. Like, there, that's a fundamental difference. Well, but, and that's... We're getting back with Seven. We're like, every time you, they're like, Seven, you're getting more human every day. She's like, all right, so things... Where? Is it do, on do, me? Yeah. Things <laughs> not to do for tomorrow, being less human. Yeah. What, whatever I did today, yeah. do less of that tomorrow. Oh, speaking of her checklists, mm-hmm. this was so good. She... In her checklist for the day, she says, okay, leave five minutes to have pointless, endless chit-chat with Harold. That was great. I love her log. Like, I would watch every episode of her just like, all right, seven's log. Seven minutes devoted to avoiding Harry. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Running down her itinerary and like, this would be much more efficient if I didn't have to talk to people. What does he want from me? Yeah. Every day with this. (laughs) Harry. I said I'd have sex with you. <laughs> what more do you want? Well, let's, let's, let's get into our bad things, since at least two of them have to do with a uh, special little boy. Boo! Amanda, you Boo. go first. So, um... Kate gives Seven control over all of the um, fighting the Omega particle um, things. She's yeah, they have to do some really fast science, and who who better for that? She knows about the Omega particle. She is good at this, so she sets up the task force to do this like a board continuum, Mm -hmm. and she uh, assigns everybody numbers and she gives them tasks. That's great, by the way. And it was awesome. Yeah, you six of ten, get over here. (laughs) And it works. First off, it works. Really well. well they, these everyone's, guys have swarmed yeah. over the galaxy. They know what they're doing. Uh-huh. But it works well on the Starfleet guys. Like everyone, when before Seven took over, was like, "Listen, man, we can't do this." And Bellana doesn't pull that shit. Like, "Ugh, I can't do this, Captain." Yeah. she's like, "No, man, this is how long it will take. I, I, I can't." I but got the mayor breathing down my <laughs> neck. <laughs> he can see my pregnancy bump. <laughs> she will take my badge, and I need this badge to call people. <laughs> It's going to take my pens. <laughs> I just got these pens. My pen! <laughs> so um, she sets it up, and it works really well, and she is following orders to destroy the particles, even though she doesn't want to. And then here comes Special Boy. He doesn't follow her orders. He goes above her head to ask Chuck, should I call for orders? And then he complains because she does a better job than he does. Mm-hmm. And, oh, can't she try and dumb it down for us instead of doing it her way? He is like, oh, he is every like mediocre white guy saying, can't everything be brought down to my level so that I can feel special? He's I- Martin. <laughs> yeah. See, you say that, and I think Ma'en, who is not a white guy. No. In fact, that's his whole point, and not being a white guy. Whoa. See, I, I, I get that you see it that way, and that is a valid way to see it. I see it as when you're in a class, and there are smart kids, and there's one guy complaining because the smart kids bring the curve down for the dumb kids. It's like, well, try harder. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, try harder. And we were talking about this a little before, too. We had some episodes where um, Wesley, what, when, because he was a special boy, too. Yeah. When he was faced with someone who was better than him, he might have a few moments of petulant, like, oh, man, they're better than me. But then he would turn around and go, you know what? I am inspired by you being better than me. I am going to try harder. Yeah, maybe I can learn something. That's, yeah, what there was... ha- that's actually what happened with um, the, oh, geez, what was her name? The girl who had her rules. Oh, uh, the, the one with... Leffler. Yeah. 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 She was Ashley better... Judd. Yeah, she yeah. was better than him. And at first he was like, oh, geez, man, she's better than me. That's not great. But then he was like, you know what? That means no, I need to step it I up. I need to and, step yeah. it up. Yeah. No, so, and we, the same with so, the blue guy in uh, yeah the Benzite yes. episode. So yeah, yeah. my point is that Wesley better than Harold. Well, yep. We talked Less about this annoying character back in the day. That was Wesley's sweet spot. Like we didn't like when he was a, a king of the children, and we didn't like later on when he didn't like, want to be in Starfleet. But in that middle period where he was a, yeah, a cadet trying really hard, that's when we liked Wesley. Yeah, that was that whole. Two, he Wesley. had two or three seasons in the middle where he was all right. Yeah. And then he wasn't again. But, you know. I just, I remember 
and this is this is probably why it needles me so much. I remember being a young teen girl and being exceptional because in case you guys wonder, I am exceptional. <laughs> Speaking of spunk future men, <laughs> like come on. Well, come the, on. The listeners can't see you bask. I'm I'm bad. I am an exceptional exceptional specimen. She right um, now looks like that statue you see of Jesus. <laughs> No shit. I had, I had, and it was always like these sort of mediocre, bland dudes say, oh, can't you just like help spend your time helping me and like maybe don't do as good so I look better? People do that. No. So really what you're describing there Mm -hmm. is socialism. Anyway, so Matt, Ah! what was your bad thing? Uh, also Harry. Oh, but a different aspect of Harry. <laughs> yes. Why is Harry in the important, uh, meeting? Why? Oh, yeah, I, I called this out in my summary. Bolana's not there, but Harry is. We fucking, like, basically there's a scene where Seven's like, listen, you and I can work on this together and fail. Or we can bring in all of these incredibly talented people who work on the ship. And she, Kate's just like... All right, get every get all the get all the department heads, and then we cut to the big the big table boardroom, and who's there? Why it's special boy, and I'm like, he's still an ensign, right? Yeah. And then it's like, what is your job exactly? Can someone <laughs> please explain? Is he like, he's not Chekhov because like that was weapons. He's not the navigate like he's not navigate. What does he do? Is he the science guy? No, because Kate's the science guy. What is your deal? The thing is, he does a lot of science stuff. Like when Kate gets a cool idea and she needs to delegate it, she gives it to him. But a lot of times, he coordinates with engineering, so he's like sort of a liaison with engineer. Like I'm not super clear what his also, job is. Also, anytime they're trying to punish Tom, they give driving to Harold. Like. It's like he's it's like he's the intern who's like, okay, um, you're here to observe, so you'll do this and this, and then we'll move you over here. Well, no, no, we've seen that. Starfleet works that way. We saw it with Wesley. We saw yeah. it with Nog, actually. Yeah. Is he a yeoman? Like, like, is he just, do they just, like, uh, shuffle him from place to place? Like, be. it's literally like they gave him the job of teacher's pet. Yeah. <laughs> that is his it's actual literally- job. Kate just decided on the first day, it's like, you're the special boy, and I'm going to give you special jobs, and you're special. Yeah. The dude is like six months out of... uh, Okay, no. All right. He's been on Voyager for four years now. Yeah. But he's still like... This is his first assignment. Exactly. He's still like fucking... He's still new meat, for Christ's sake. Yeah, I I don't know. Plus, there have to be other... Like, plenty of other ensigns. There's only 200 people on the ship, but there's got to be other ensigns. We talked about this, like, earlier earlier in the series. It's just like, everyone, every other person on the ship has to hate him. Yeah, because he gets special treatment. (laughs) Because he's the magic special boy. Like, I'm... I'm sorry, this episode, just him sitting in that chair and them just like heads of, uh, heads of the, all the departments, this just brought up all of the all of the hairy stuff, and I'm so done with it. Yeah. No, and, and Amanda pointed out there's there's scenes that are like particularly, not just his presence in that meeting, but mm. specific scenes where he has dialogue where it just really emphasizes that, and it's terrible. He's like fucking Harry Potter. Like everything <laughs> perfect and good has to happen for him all the time. Pretty much. At the expense of all the other people who are just trying to get the work done. Pretty much. Can't anyone else be the main character? Anyone uh, else? Uh, Except know. someone from Hufflepuff. Yeah. Well, Hufflepuff <laughs> is bitch house. So. Yes. My bad thing. We need to move it along oh, here because we well, have a second yell, I want to yell about Harry Smart. Well, the second episode's not going to take very long to cover. Uh, in any case, we still need to talk about it, and there are <laughs> things to talk about. But my bad thing for this episode, the doctor has suggested in his continuing uh, Be More Human course for, for Seven. <laughs> I suppose I, he would know better than anyone. <laughs> The thing is, it's interesting because you have Spock and Data on this ship. Uh You have a non-human who wants to be human. You have a non-human who doesn't want to be human. And one's trying to teach the other. I like that. Mm -hmm. But he suggested that she read A Christmas Carol, presumably because humans. (laughs) But really, is this the story you want to give someone who's trying to become more human every day? The story in which a man refuses to partake in a religious ritual and is then bullied by ghosts into partaking in that ritual. (laughs) I don't know. It sounds like Braga to me. Then again, that's all very Voyager. <laughs> like, I don't believe in religion. Boo! Oh, I believe in religion now. 
I just picture her reading it as like, no, I think Scrooge had a real good point about like <laughs> the thing. The only that, not, th- that character is not someone a Borg is is going to identify with. No, like <laughs> well, he's... no, he should have kept all the money. Like, and he should have kept people working because everyone should work all the time. Yeah, exactly. If he's trying to run an Are efficient, there no workhouses. <laughs> If he's trying to run an efficient business, why is he giving people days off? That's stupid. And really, do you need a ham the size of that boy? How would he even carry that logically? Seven has real problems with a Christmas carol. They should have just started by showing her Scrooge. So so does me. Well, yes. We should. Well, you should also watch Scrooge. It's a really good Bill Murray movie. It's all right. Um, I just don't like a Christmas carol. That's fair. Uh, all right. The only good Scrooge is McDuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Anything else before I do my quote? I have one last point, okay. and this is just heaping praise on uh, Jerry Ryan some mm. more mm-hmm. um, with my Jerry Ryan praise heap shovel. Sure. There is a sequence where um, the particle stabilizes, and she gets to stare into the face of God for mm-hmm. just one moment, and just the look on her face of it's mixed awe trying to remember for future, like for yep. scientific future study, and just but still keeping sort of the seven blankness at the same time. It was just such a, it was such a strong piece of acting. Yeah. It was, I was just like, I was blown away. It was so good. She's so cool. She's yeah. so good. She's really good. Actually, I did have one other quick point I wanted to mention, which is uh, going back to the aliens who made this stuff. Mm-hmm. If you look at this entirely from their perspective, they have an energy crisis. They figured out a way to fix their energy crisis. Then these super advanced aliens from the other side of the galaxy swoop in, take their shit, blow it up, and leave. I think I've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, what the what? It's Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never seen that, and I'm pretty proud of that. Uh-huh. It's not really... Don't bother. Yeah. It's not great. No. But, um, I, I like, from their perspective, this is, like... Because we don't get any scenes, and I'm glad things kept moving. From our perspective, it would have been boring. But there's no scenes where Kate slows down and explains it to them. She's just like, no, you can't have it. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. Like, maybe if you tell them why, they could understand. No. No. No time. They don't have warp travel, so they don't care about ruining warp travel. (laughs) They don't give a fuck. They happen to do that. Like, they're the barbarians in civilization that discovered nukes. Somehow they they leapfrogged (laughs) over five or six other middle steps and they got something you don't have. And like, whoa. All right. All right. Damn trading with Gandhi. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) The warlike Mahatma Gandhi. (laughs) All right. My quote goes back to uh, this Harry stuff. This is actually uh, Harry and Tuvok Mm. working, which really amused me. Want to know what I think? No. I feel, like, I feel like this quote sums up everything I think about Harry. <laughs> Pretty much. We really, like, we, it's weird because as we started liking Tom more, we started liking Harry less. And mm-hmm. they're not really, re- like, they're, they're unrelated. Harry got worse as Tom got better, but it's not like they took something away from one. It just yeah. worked out that way. It's weird. I really turned around on Tom. I yeah. hated him. Yeah, yeah but we were okay with disgusting. Harry. Yeah, he was. And then, like. Somehow being in a relationship made him not disgusting. It wasn't anymore. just that because he was no. starting to change before that. Yeah. But but that was the, the big part of it. Like his ongoing like his ongoing deal of like I like it here in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, it's be- yeah. this is better for me. Yeah. And New I, life. I thought I was gonna hate his relationship with Bellana because oh, yeah. I knew that happened. Because I love Bellana and I hate she, Tom Paris. Yeah. yeah. I felt like she was really like dating under her weight. Yeah, class. exactly. But I, I I get it. It was well, weird. I I like a good bickering couple who mm-hmm. like are always sniping at each other. But I like a good yeah. bickering mm-hmm. couple, and I was worried this writing staff would not be able to pull that off. But yeah. they have. No, when they do it, you brought this up before, Al. It feels like foreplay. Like it really just feels like foreplay because well, that's what she's into. She's uh-huh. part Klingon, yeah. so being a little aggressive, maybe not physically necessarily, but just there's a little hostility. Challenging. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is like that's part. Like who's the dominant partner here? And that's part of their thing. Yeah. And yeah. I, li- I like that. It's a nice... Sorry, the answer sorry is Tom. It's not you. Yeah. It's not, but he's still putting up a fight. But mm-hmm. I also kind of get the feeling that he likes that. Yeah. He likes not being, like, maybe the dominant yeah. partner. I feel like that's a good arc for a guy who used to be, a, a like, a, a douchebag. Like, yeah. a, a, you know, woman conquering douchebag is, like, learning that he can give up his power and it's yeah. still yeah. okay. That's That's a good, like, thing for him. Is a good thing for him to learn that it's I'm I could still be in a good relationship and not be the one who's like telling everybody what to do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the end of Voyager. I mean, 
Well, <laughs> we're all looking no, forward to it. I, 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 I don't know. I'm looking for, in a way, yes, but it's out of the frying pan into the fire. That is true. That fire is very nasty. You mean <laughs> Flonk's favorite show, Enterprise? Yes, the very same. <laughs> out no. of the frying pan into the decontaminating oil. Uh huh. No, I will be very interested to see if when we get to the end of the series, if it's been like, you know, we've gotten to see Tom do a whole arc yeah. to not shitbag. Honestly, a lot of these characters feel like they're progressing in different mm -hmm. ways, no. which. Outside of DS9, like we didn't get that in next gen. Picard was the only one yes. who from yeah. start to finish really changed. The mm -hmm. rest of them kind of ran in place and changed a little bit. Yeah. But Picard's the only one who clearly learned and grew and changed and evolved. Yeah. And, you know, that was it. All right. Uh, let's move on to the entirely rememberable episode. Unforgettable. That's what you are. Unforgettable. <laughs> Karaoke night okay. here at Pop. <laughs> well, you put a microphone in front of me. It's true. Amanda, tell us. Tell us about the Chicote love episode. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so Voyager is out space foraging for something that's almost certainly going to throw off their scheduled return to the Alpha Quadrant by a few months. I mean, probably. And finds an incredibly easy-to-animate battle between two cloaked ships. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> it shows, showing a starfield of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is destroyed and the other exploded up pretty good. Inside is an alien. Well, a woman with less detailed Kessiers, I guess that's an alien, who asks for Chuck. Wait, who? Do we have someone called Chuck on this ship? They save her and bring her over to sickbay, where she her scans in the sickbay computers magically disappear. But the doctor uses his power of smugness to heal her anyway. She wakes up. Says her name is Kellen. She's a Ramarian, Ramurian, whatever, Ramora eel. <laughs> and that if you say Candyman in the mirror three times, you'll forget who she that she was ever on your ship a few days ago. Wait, no. This is sci-fi magic. This is not horror magic. So her people have a pheromone that do that. Also, computer viruses to remove all traces of them from your computers. And memory rays. And memory teleporters. And memory shuttle bays, probably. <laughs> Their whole society is built on making you forget about them because they're tired of being invited to mandatory socialize with your coworker events that happen on the other planets in the solar system. <laughs> I mean, I get it. <laughs> Turns out, Kellen is a tracer. Oh, the 90s. A tracer. And a few weeks back, she came to Voyager to hunt down another one of her species who wanted to leave their society and drag them back into that society. She caught him and then fell in love with Chuck. Chuck? Really? Him? Are you sure you didn't mean Tuvok or Janeway or Seven or any of the other viable love interests on the ship? No. Chuck, huh? That's that that one. Okay. But by the way, did did you guys know that having one of these aliens on your ship or in your house or in your garage or whatever, um, and they'll forget you'll forget that they were there a few days after they leave? I just wanted to restate the premise in, in case you missed it while you were getting a sandwich or something. That That's the premise. She pr proceeds to tell Chuck they were in love so many times, I was sure they were not really in love and that she was trying to fool him, like, over and over again. Uh, but nope, it turns out they really were in love. Uh, Chuck, and, uh, he, Chuck plays the passionate lover with all the expression and depth I've come to expect from Robert Beltran. Um, <laughs> turns out that, uh, Kellen isn't the only mm, tracer on their planet, so another guy comes to Voyager to drag her back. Oh, and, uh, don't forget, once they leave, everyone will forget they were there. Just in case the premise wasn't entirely clear, I, I wanna, I wanna restate it again here. The Tracer gets aboard, aboard Voyager, smashes up some vases, and then zaps her with a memory ray. And oh, God, there's still 19 minutes of this episode. This is over now, right? Like, he, then, then he takes her back, and then, then we're done. Oh, haven't we had, like, 30 acts by now? Her last request before she memory dies in <laughs> Chuck's arms is that he force her to remember their very engaging and believable love story, just like she did. Then we have, no kidding, another 15 minutes of him trying to convince her, mirroring the interminable plot we just suffered through. Also, uh, he explains to her that she'd forgotten him because that's the premise. 
and she may not have a firm grasp on it, but there there was a memory ray that was based on the pheromones from the, the society, and that's kind of their deal. Okay, so tragically, she decides to go back to her home planet where her memories of Voyager will be no tribble at all. <laughs> yep. This was rough. It was like, I, I'm just going to go right into my bad thing, which should have been pretty apparent from Amanda's summary. But uh, just, just to reiterate one more time, this might be the most agonizingly paced episode we've covered since Spock's brain. Yeah. You oh. remember when, like, because Spock's brain is, is held up as the quintessential stupid original series episode. And the premise is dumb. They physically took his brain out of his yeah. head. But our complaint wasn't that. It was like, okay, maybe this will be a fun, dumb, campy thing or and whatever. who cares? It spends the episode running in place, though. Can we have the brain? No. How about now? No. Just back and what forth now? forever. And like, then they get captured, and they escape, and they go over to the other guys I mean, that's, capture that's them. more Doctor Who than Star Trek, but there was <laughs> a bit of that. You're not wrong, though. Yeah. There's like 10 minutes of story here, and that's including the opening credits, mm-hmm. which is the story of touring through like a solar system full of names. Yeah. And by the way, that 10 minutes of story, it also sucks. <laughs> yeah. And Al was sitting there, and I have I don't think I've ever seen him do this, but he's like, Where's the deadly danger? Can the deadly danger come in now? I'm Please. always I'm always cheering for like the the quiet character centric mm-hmm. plot with maybe a, a a kernel of sci-fi in it. And mm-hmm. this is in construct the kind of episode I like. Mm-hmm. But when you're focusing on a character, maybe focus on one that isn't like paint drying. Never should have wished on that monkey's pile. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you the fable of monkey and paw. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly like Robert Beltran as Chakotay, paint drying is too good. He's dried paint. Yep. He's just the wall after the paint has dried. Mm. Well, there are sporting events that I would, I would rather watch the paint, the dried paint than the sporting events, but uh, it's well, a near dynam- thing. How dynamic a paint are we talking about? The thing is, I think I'd rather watch sports than Chakotay. Yeah. I think that's how, that's how boring he is to me. Pretty boring. Oh god, he's just terrible. Yeah, just, I mean, he's not Harry terrible. I'm not going to yell. No, there's different. No. There's different. Lo- like there's wacky comic relief terrible, which is Neelix. Mm-hmm. There's whiny entitled, which is Harry, and then there's nothing. Yeah, which is Chuck. He's just like it's the whole gamut of terrible. Yeah, there's I, no prem. Like there's no presence. There's no like we're really supposed to buy this passionate love affair, and mm. I did not. And that's my bad thing. We we've seen we've actually seen some pretty good love stories on Voyager. Yeah. Like I was surprised. I was not anticipating like seeing some really like strong We're just love about stories. Tom and Bologna, yeah. Which, well, that had the advantage of playing out over many episodes. Yeah, the but the I, problem you have with a week to week hour long show is like, and I've said this a bunch of times, is showing someone fall in love in forty five minutes. Mm. That's hard. And that's a problem that Star Trek has run into a bunch of times. But we have seen some good What's episodes. Up every Troy episode. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, but we we've seen some good like love yeah. some some short condensed <laughs> love stories. Fucking uh, uh, city on the edge of forever. Yeah. Yeah. But or, I mean in Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. Or the like my one of my favorite ones is the one where um, Picard falls in love with that chick who comes out of an egg. Yeah. Oh yeah. With the egg trill chick. spots. Yeah. Also a good one, but also the one where Picard uh, falls in love with the junior officer that he yep. like has to break up with. Yep. The one where he falls in love. Well, love. Okay, with, so it's all Vosh. Picard. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just Picard. Yeah. But we we've seen some really yeah, we've it seen happens. Some, it, it happens. Yeah, it totally but, does. Woof. Yeah. You don't don't this is my bad thing. Don't pick your least charismatic, least passionate, emotive actor to play this love story. This love story is supposed to be star-crossed lovers where she comes back and is going to give up her whole everything, yep. her job and her life and her civilization and her whole race and go back to the Alpha Quadrant with these guys because her love is so, like, explosive. It's supposed to be... Higher. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be so good, like, mm-hmm. such a strong chemistry that yeah. even when one of them loses a memory they're gonna get the connection back they're yeah. so convinced that they're so compatible that once one of them forgets they'll get it again but i mean the whole episode is just like oh charles i've loved you more than anyone ever 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 did i did you hmm, hmm. that doesn't sound right hmm. let's eat some pudding and talk about it some more <laughs> and actually, um, this is probably a good place to to put in my quote, which is um, it basically describes my experience um, getting to know the Chakotay character. Why would I come back here? Because you'd fallen in love with me. Forgive me, you're certainly attractive. 
but what you're telling me seems very unlikely. Well, the thing is, when we first started, you're like, hey, he's a handsome man. I don't, I didn't remember that about yeah, him. I didn't realize there was this handsome, handsome man on this show. All right, Chuck, come on over here. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> nope. That's the thing is, like, we, he's got some failed relationships because a lot of women fall for him because he's good looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they get to know him and say, eh, never oh. mind. <laughs> It's like dating the Chicote action figure that's <laughs> hanging on your wall. Yeah, it's, it's right here, this block of wood. Yep. This is um, kind of like the Seska thing again. Having an interesting girlfriend doesn't make you an interesting character. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't. They keep going back to that well. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to say we are the first people to recognize that he's boring. I'm positive other people have said that, but I don't see a lot of people talking about that. Like. Talking about it with us. Mm-hmm. But prior to this, I don't I never really saw this as a main like critique of that character. You don't see it in memory alpha ever. You don't like I've I've read a fair amount of fan, you know, sure. commentary. Yeah. It's not a thing a lot of people say about this show. Neelix is terrible and, and Seven is great uh, and Chicote's boring. Chicote's they like a lot of his stuff is super racist. I have heard, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. that. But it's it's weird that we're pointing this out. Like all of us feel this way, and, and most of the guests, if not all of the guests we bring on, agree with us. Yep. Like he's boring. It's just weird that the show doesn't seem to know that. They keep call like, they keep treating him like an action hero with yeah, like the dynamic hero yeah. Chakotay. Well, it depends. Sometimes he's a pacifist. Sometimes he's a fighter. Whatever well, the story the other calls thing. for. He's all over the fucking map. Yeah. yeah, and she talks about getting to know him, and it's like you know more stuff about him than we do, and we've getting to know him for four seasons now. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I couldn't name three things about him. And she does a lot of tell not showing with yeah. that. Like, well, I'm, unfortunately, that's the whole point of the character is that you're doing the tell not showing. Mm-hmm. Well, when we were in love, well, when we used to eat together, you can't have a love story that you didn't show us. They did some flashbacks, but not many and not very good ones. And they were all, they all looked like lies. Yeah. Like, that was <laughs> they, the other they thing. Really I completely did. agree with you. It looked like she was fucking gaslighting him for yeah. the entire well, that's, episode. That's the formula so often. Is someone convinces a character of a thing for four acts, and then they ended up being a liar. Yeah, and then she's a monster or a dog or something. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It was the dog. <laughs> it was the dog! No, it, it felt like there was a point early on where Chuck looks at her and says something like, I, uh, okay, I'm convinced. And she's like, oh, no, we're going to talk about all of this. Like, oh, like she oh, specifically good. turns to the camera almost and says... You keep trying to skip to the end, but we have several more acts of exposition to go. (laughs) She actually says, you keep trying to skip to the end. Slow down. Let's talk. Like, no, no, please stop slowing down. And normally in a story, like, like you've said, normally in a character sort of base story, I would love to slow down and hear about. Yeah, no, we usually bitch that they grafted in some deadly danger that's annoying and Mm. out of place. Go back to the two guys in a room talking. I I mean, Data's Day is the quintessential example of that to me. It's just what Data gets up to in the course of a day. And then for some reason, there's a spy plot, which would have been a cool other episode. But it kind of ruined the watching what Data gets up to thing. And (laughs) there was nothing to ruin this. No. It's pure undistilled Chakotay. Uh Ugh. They did some terrible, like, pseudo-comedy moments with Seven. Uh-huh. She's like, when they're both in the same room, they get flushed. What does that mean? Seven, you know what that you means. You know what that means. You've said that you know what that You've means. You've spent, like, months hanging around fucking Harry as he flushes all over the place. <laughs> Ugh. And then there's a scene where, like, they're like, uh, you're going to go check out the rear uh, relay array with Seven. It's like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stop trying to make Seven Harry happen. Yeah. The, the thing no is, one wants it, especially I Seven. I didn't dislike the chick who played the love interest. Like, it, they gave her nothing to work with. Yeah. But she herself, like, I liked her, actually, she and I've liked okay. her in other things. She wasn't, I mean, she wasn't, like, stellar. She didn't take the shitty material and turn it into gold, which we have seen some, we've seen some actors, especially on Star Trek, take this real shit and make it great. She was okay, though. But if the yeah. entire episode depends on your chemistry with someone else yeah who gives you nothing yeah then what can you do you can't build on that nope i liked her in Candyman. that's the yep. thing i know i've seen her in other things i haven't yeah. seen Candyman, but i've seen other things do you think she showed up because tony todd was here a couple of weeks ago and she's like looking out for him she's still mm-hmm. looking for Candyman. yeah, yeah. she's like i know he was just here i know he was here like our my readings say he was here like three weeks ago she's got like a big butterfly net <laughs> 
See, I would believe her like being in love with Tony Todd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be yeah. very, very quiet. I'm hunting Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think he'd be easy to find. He's a giant of a yeah. man. That's why they cast him as uh, one of the Herogen, because yeah. those guys are supposed to be like seven feet tall. Yep. Um, uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, so, race of aliens with pheromones that make you forget they ever existed, huh? That's dumb. That's real fucking dumb. I, this it, episode is dumb. I, it feels like one of those Star Trek things where it's like, this is a dumb premise, but you could build a good episode on it, or you could build a bad episode on no, it. You it's, a, I mean? like, it's just like, as soon as she shows up, my race has a pheromone where you forget about it, so if we haven't been around for a while. I'm like, that's dumb, you're lying. But, but then <laughs> yeah, she wasn't. Yeah. But the, I just kept thinking she was a liar. But the thing is, Let like, me get this straight. You ha- you make people forget you ever existed, and you're in love with Chakotay. Right. No, none of that adds up. <laughs> But the thing is, there have been good episodes built on stupid premises. Oh, totally. we, oh, yeah. we always come back to Balana catches Pon Far, which on paper we were like, oh, God, this is mm-hmm. going to be terrible. And then we watched it. It was like, this is actually pretty good. Yep. And if the episode had been good, I wouldn't have cared. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like, But it wasn't. And all I can think about, this is dumb. And then they have, like, computer stuff to make you even more forget them. <sighs> and I don't get the... Uh, like, uh, I'm just sitting there like, I wish this was, like, a race of, like, Loch Ness monsters or something. <laughs> <laughs> and the episode ends with her asking him for Tree Fitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And the thing is, they really highlight the dumbness. They shine a real spotlight on it, because... I, I joked about it in my summary, but this was another one of those ones where they restate the premise yep. over and over and over again. And it's not a complicated premise. Did no. you know that we have pheromones that make you forget we ever were here? Let me just point that out <laughs> again. And I went back and forth on all of their technology being like memory-based, being dumb too. Because at first I was like, well, that's stupid. They already have the pheromones. I mean... Why they can't have the technology as well. But then I was like, you know what? If they did have the pheromones, it might kind of make sense that that's where their technological development mm. would go. I maybe. I kind of liked the idea. Like, I think this might have worked better if, first of all, if it wasn't Chicote she was in love with. Yeah. Second of all, if she stayed. Like, we've mm. talked about this before, yeah. where you get your alien of the week who threatens to become part of the crew and. We've always thought this would have been a better show if they did that from time to time. Yeah. And the crew we came back with to the Alpha Quadrant has five or ten people we mm-hmm. picked up on the way who... A bunch of random weirdos that we just found lying around. Hitchhikers. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what uh, Kess and Neelix are. And that's what Seven is. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. Like, she could have been another one of those yeah. and mm-hmm. just come back a couple times a season and, like, build the relationship and not have to sell it in 40 minutes. But, I would love you know. if whenever she popped up on the bridge to be all like, hey, this is happening and this is happening, and everyone goes... Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Because forgetting technology or because of this episode? Both. Okay. No, that would be great. And you don't have to bring them back. Like, they don't have to be a main member of the cast. No, they could be a Barkley once or twice a season. Yeah. Or even a Garrick four or five times a season. Yeah. I I enjoyed that. Like, or any of Susie Plaxton's characters. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) I got hearts in my eyes. um, Manny, you stole my good thing. You have the exact same good thing I have. And I put mine in first, so you can't have it. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I, I thought, no, I can't think of another good thing. Well, I'm sorry. Just pick uh, that chick. She was fine. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? I said a couple of things I didn't hate. You go ahead. So the, we had to we had to dig real, real deep to find a good... Not just because it was, like, not a great episode. There just wasn't a lot here. There was not a lot of meat in this gym, Matt. <laughs> uh, no, this is... <laughs> Going into going into Voyager, this is what we expected. Yeah. We expected a lot of dumb dream memory yep. mind crap and boringness. Yeah. And this sure delivered on all that. At least we didn't go into anybody's brain. I That's kind of expected us. that yeah, in a memory brain episode. Magic stuff yeah. though. I expected that in a and really we've talked about this before and I don't want to get too into it, but the the concept of memory wiping is really problematic because yeah. the brain doesn't just store a file of what happened today. It's all spread out into mm-hmm. a bunch of other memories and it all connects to weird. Yep. Eh. Anyway. I can buy the the memory ray they use on her is actually something I kind of buy because what it is is it 
erases your short-term memory. So it erases the last couple of, like, the last couple of days. Yeah, they just gave her a roofie. Yeah, mm. and that is something that happens, like, when you're talking about real, well, the, yes, roofies are something that happens. That's not what I'm talking about. No, no, I'm, the, I, I'm, the, I wasn't but, just going for the cheap yeah. joke there. There are drugs that, that do that to people. And when real amnesia, not, like, TV amnesia, yeah. that tends to be what happens. You lose a couple of days. Yeah. Right. Um, so I kind of bought that. As a, yeah, but all the like, rest of it. Yeah, no, not so much. That doesn't no. make a lot. Of anyway, sense. you were building to what um, your actual good. So thing my, was. sometimes when I'm looking for a good thing, I can I I'll go with like when there's no good things, I'll go with like a design element. Like mm-hmm. ah, I like the way these ships looked, or I like the the alien design on that. But this didn't even have that because nope. the ships, the alien ships were pretty like whatever, and the alien design was like almost non-existent but when the uh, tracers um, uh, they're actually called inkers oh yes <laughs> um catch one of these guys um who's cloaked um they do a kind of a cool effect where he sort of flashes out of his cloaking not just cloak based yeah. that was that was okay it's fine yeah good good job you did a fine job one thing yeah pretty much You're yeah good, good work <laughs> Uh, your gold star. <laughs> Matt, what was your good thing? Turns out, uh, I guess it turns out Andrew Robinson directed this episode, so good. Yeah. Good. That guy's getting work. Good for him. Yeah. I also just watched Hellraiser again, and he's very good in that, too. <laughs> good. That's my good thing. Andrew Robinson. Good job. He he is good. <laughs> Andrew Robinson is good. He is mm. good. Unfortunately, this is the last time he'll direct, like... He he directed two Voyager episodes. This is his second one, oh, so we won't see him. I I we've said this before, and I still maintain this is a great thing that all Star Trek does. Like mm. series I like and series I don't like as much. Star Trek, if if you as as like part of the ensemble decide you want to get into directing, they take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like Lavar Burton, I I'm pretty sure directs into Enterprise. Oh yeah. Like and Frakes until he went into features was directing like Voyager and DS Nine. Like if 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 you want to branch out, they take care of their own and they help you out with that. Yeah. And I really like that. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else? I'm going to look at my notes here. Oh, I have a note here that is just, I think, is me being clever. So I'll share that with you. Uh-huh. Um, this is a time loop episode, which I hate, except <laughs> there's no time travel in it. Yeah, that's fair. Matt? Yep. Nope. I got nothing. This is a very boring episode that sucks. A lot of caps. A lot of us leaning on the keyboard going, ah, I believe I have a note here that says, oh, God, shut up, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. That's just any time he comes on screen. Oh, Uh, oh, oh. At the end, mm -hmm. you got Neelix capering in. (laughs) Hello. In his clown suit. Like, it's one of his extra clown suits. Yeah, doing, doing a little dance and explaining love to Chakotay. Well, you know, the power of love is a curious thing. Ugh, shut up, Neelix. Love is what makes us uh, human or alien or whatever. And if you look at it too closely, it's a puzzle piece that falls away through the sands of time. Neelix, what do you know about love? You should be in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Three squares a day. (laughs) Three hair squares a day. Oh, I've got another kind of good thing. Uh, there was a cute, um, this was actually the only cute scene between um, Chuck and uh, Kellen, Keelar, whatever. Uh-huh. Helen. Uh, Helen. Between mm-hmm. Chuck and Helen. Helen Keller. Where, yes. <laughs> where he says, um, where they're talking about the memory stuff, and she says that she remembers liking Neelix's food, and Chuck's like, well, that seems unlikely. Yeah. No, I know you're a liar. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that That is something we learned about Chakotay in this episode. He doesn't like pudding. Good. That's canon. I don't yep. like pudding either. I guess that gives me some common ground with Chuck. Well, Sorry I was... to hear that. I <laughs> was... Just, ground Chuck? <laughs> some ground... <laughs> I, I was just thinking, that's a detail of the character that I did not know before, so now I know two things. <laughs> she says to him, um, you, uh, you always want everything brief, like, just, uh, shrunk down to its main parts. You want everything in a nutshell. That's something I know about you, and it's like... It, That's not it? something I know is about it? him. Is that, okay. is that a thing? Okay. And, oh, oh and the, one of the things I love about you is that you're so kind. Is, Sometimes. Is, I mean, is he? I mean, I, mean, I guess when the writers decide that. Yeah. Like, I don't remember 
I don't remember him doing either of those things. Like it's like the pudding thing. Like it's treated like the pudding thing. Like this is the that's, yeah. Like, I don't know. He's a thing nice we've always to known. The two people he likes. Like I guess. Uh, uh. Anyway. This is a garbage episode, is what we're saying. Yeah, it yeah. sucks, and Chakotay sucks. Yeah, Harry sucks, <laughs> and usually and Neelix sucks. And Neelix sucks. Uh, well, yeah. Usually, if we get one of these early in the season, it's like good. Now the Chakotay episode's out of the way, but we're near the end of the season, so it's like, oh man, there could be another one in like three weeks. Yeah, hmm. like it could happen at the beginning of season five again. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? I'm back. Yeah. Oh, man. and then at the end, he doesn't want to forget her, so he writes it down on paper with like. Oh, prim- you're using a pen, huh? Using primitive writing pen. Also, by the way, the pen he uses is not a primitive writing pen. It's a weird squat future man <laughs> pen. It's like a fucking crayon. It's like it's yeah. like an inch. Also, it wouldn't surprise me if the um the aliens had some kind of paper erasing yeah, it's called a technology. <laughs> I was just thinking it's an eraser. But... Um... Just sneaks back on board and just and then they Someone. do it some more because it's really fun yeah. shredding stuff is still fun yeah absolutely it is just taking stuff out of Chuck's diary yeah. <laughs> alright so that's all for this time uh, we're very near the end of season 4 we are already so yep. supplemental time is coming up and uh, we will be recording together we'll, yep. we'll be uh, live streaming that if you want to ask us questions during the recording or if you just want to send them in via email it's postatomichorror at gmail we'd yep. love to hear from you uh, posting this week uh, maybe even before this episode, I'm not sure, but but these two will be posting close to each other. Mm-hmm. Our initial thoughts on Star Trek Beyond. Oh, I'm so excited. That's why Matt's here in my home, because we're going to go see that movie together. And yep. we will definitely share what we think with the caveat that last time we said Star Trek Beyond or Star Trek Into Darkness is great. You should Wee. all see it. And then we started thinking about it and changed our minds. Uh-huh. I went back and listened to that episode just to get ready for doing this one. And God, we were excited. We, that's the thing. And we're going to like our initial reaction is definitely going to be we love this cast. We love the Enterprise. Everything's great. But we'll try our best. What we might do is do sort of an abbreviated talk and sort of set a time to come back to it when yeah. we can think about it. That might be a good way to go. What's what we did last time. Then we waited when the DVD came out. We came back to it. Yeah. So that might be what we do. Yeah. But uh, also we will put out like I think maybe the first five minutes or so will be spoiler free. Yeah. And then after that, we'll get into the meat of it. So yeah. if you want our overall thoughts of whether you should see it or not, listen to the first couple of minutes and yeah. then uh, also, go from there. I'm super excited. Yes. There's going to be in this, and I guess this is a spoiler if you haven't been trying to like hear anything about it, there's going to be uh, an, an in-canon gay person yeah. in this movie that's not like a weird spacey half kind of maybe it's an allegory for someone being gay or it's like an evil bisexual in like a third tier Kevin Bacon universe like a real a real gay character for realsies yeah so you can finally shut up no I never will can we call the Mary universe the Kevin Bacon universe <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look forward to that, and otherwise, we'll be back next week. See you, folks. Bye. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.